I just saw that. Make sure you, we, we haven't been doing it very often la- lately, and so I just want to make sure uh, that we get to. Well, you know, I was thinking this week, I've mentioned in my email, uh, this week, last year, do you remember this week, last year? This was the last service we had a year ago before it all got weird. <laughs> it was the last service we had, there was a uh, uh, run on toilet paper. This week, last year, uh, Purell, you could only get on the black market. And uh, yeah, it was wild. And we couldn't celebrate Easter. You remember Donald Trump wanted, President Trump wanted to uh, get us uh, by Easter. And we kept thinking, well, this thing's going to end real quick. This thing's going to end real quick. And here we are a year later. And there's still churches around the, around the nation still aren't meeting yet, which is, which is not cool. But uh, I, uh, I just was thinking... It's just, it's wild how things, how just time just travels so quick. And then you look back and you're like, we made it through it. We made it through it. And, uh, well, I love this month. I love March Missions Month. I know it's in God's heart. When I was a teen, I felt called to the mission field. Um, in fact, two different times I applied to be a missionary and associate, which is like a two year stint, one in Czech Republic and the other, uh, was in Scotland where, uh, Pastor Ken, the pastor before us, before me, um, was the, was the missionary to Scotland and I wanted to go work with him. And so I tried both times and both times it, uh, didn't work out. I think the second time with Ken, I got, I met Sarah and I had to choose mission field or my wife. And I was like, okay. I picked Sarah. So, um, I just want to say this church will be about missions. It's going to be about missions, be about world missions. It's going to be, we're going to take missions trips. If the, if the borders ever open up, we will take missions trips. We're planning on going. And, uh, uh, yeah, in fact, and and one of the things I felt like during this month, I felt like the Lord was going to sow some seeds, especially into young people for the mission field. I just felt the Holy Spirit when I was praying over this, that the Lord wanted to sow seeds into children and to students and give them the call to the mission field, right? Um, and some of the parents are like, oh, wait, hold on, Africa, I don't want my parent, my, but uh, no, we want, we want our kids to go where the Lord leads them, right? That's, that's the most important thing. Um, out in the foyer, if you, did you guys get a chance to look at the board a little bit? If you didn't get a chance to look on the board in the back, there's a missions board. It's not all the missionaries we support, but it's a majority of them. Uh, Israel is not on there. We were ha- waiting on some things. Tajikistan uh, is not on there, the Schaefer's. Um, but some of the projects out there are Wells in India uh, with kindness and uh, mercy, mis- or mercy and kindness ministries. The Orantes are believing, they're, they're wanting to raise money for a... Uh, school of Ministry, um, so they're they're believing for that. Um, Zibi in Poland. Do we have those pictures up there? Zibi, there's Zibi in Poland, friends of mine. Um, he's he's got this amazing opportunity. He's a pastor of KDM uh, Krakow, Poland. What a fun name! But uh, KDM Krakow is the name of the city. It's a million people, and they've asked. He has been. I mean, he has done amazing work with this city, working partnering with the city. They've asked him to do a family festival this year that they normally do every year. They've asked him to be the host, their church to be the host. This is a church of 200 people, okay? And they're expecting hundreds of thousands of people to come out that they've asked him to sponsor it, and they've also asked him to put on a service. The first time ever in in something like that, he's going to be able to preach the gospel. And uh, $13,000 that he's trying to raise to do that. 
Danny Noah with Fellowship of Christian Athletes right here in Dallas. He's trying to raise money. They want to do an inner city golf uh, camp, and they want all the students to be able to come for free in the, in the inner city of Dallas. And so he's raising that. Um, Alan Crookham, he's believing for $2,000. This guy's wild. He, he's going to be with our service in two weeks. He's working with uh, people in uh, Iraq that are survivors of ISIS, and he's, he's going to be here to share that. But he's believing for a blanket and uh, a food pack for every person that he goes to, to share the gospel with. And then missionary Scott Berkey, he was the last... He, March 8th, which is tomorrow, he was the last service before all this went crazy. And so we sent him on the mission field to Kenya, and he's there in Kenya. And he was telling us that in Africa, there's over 3,700 churches, um, at, at least with the Sims of God. I'm not sure if there's, I'm sure there's more, but um, only 400 churches have a meeting place for the kids. And he said, we were just at a church where 500 kids came and they gathered underneath a tree to hear the gospel. And he says, for about $5,000, we can build a meeting place for our children. He specifically works with children. So, um, so you know, I just want to say this month is going to look a little different. I'm going to be honest, it's going to be a little bit all over the place because we're going to be sharing these stories. We want you to be exposed to this and hear what God's doing through you. Do you realize all these people, we are sending money to them all the time. Your tithe, 10% goes to take care of these needs. And, uh, and of course, we're going to believe from even more. But I want you to, let's watch uh, Scott Berkey's video real quick, and then we'll get into the word. Nakanisa la KAG. Idira ya next gen. Hello, church, and thank you so much. My name is Scott Berkey, and my family and I are missionaries here in Kenya, and we're serving with the Kenya Assemblies of God. In December, we had the opportunity to go down to a place called Oli Toktok, where we were literally a few kilometers from the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro. And we were blessed to minister to 98 children's leaders while we were there. In fact, it was the first children's ministry training that has happened since COVID started back in March. Everything has been locked down here in Kenya, and we were just blessed and honored to be a part of the very first training that took place there. You can see some pictures on your screen uh, of just the joy and the energy and the excitement that was happening as we were there as part of a training, and we were blessed to be a part of it. Your giving made that possible, so thank you so much. More recently, just a few weeks ago, actually, we had the opportunity to go down to another church in Maasai land, and we got to serve there with Pastor David Oshumu. As you can see, it's just a small building, but there are over 50 believers that are gathered together there. Sometimes as many as 35 and 40 children show up on top of that. And we're excited to get to go into that church and serve them. We brought a message of how important ministry to the next generation is. That's what we're here to do here in Kenya. We're here to help the, the national church, the Kenya Assemblies of God. We're coming alongside of them and we're helping them to bring up a greater awareness and just a, uh, a higher expectation for what is possible with Next Gen Ministry. Speaking of Next Gen Ministry, just this past week, I was able to be a part of a historic meeting. Kenya, at their last general council, they, they launched their teens ministry. And for the first time ever, 
just, just a couple of days ago, I was a part of a, a meeting where the National Children's Ministry, the National Teens Ministry, and the National Youth Ministry all came together to plan out what they would be doing over the course of the next few years. It was exciting times. On the family front, my kids are back in school. They are excited to be going to school in person. They are blessed with an incredible Christian international school here that they get to be a part of. And I just, I just want to say thank you for praying for our family. This transition uh, has been, it's been as smooth as it could possibly be. And we recognize that that is because of the prayers of churches just like yours. So thank you. Over the next couple of months, you can pray for us for three things. Pray, continue to pray for our family as we transition here to Kenya. The second thing you can pray for is you can pray for the children's ministry, the youth ministry, and the teens ministry of the Kenya Assemblies of God. We know that God's blessing is commanded wherever there is unity. And so I want to ask you to pray that there would be continued unity. And the third thing is you can pray for the next generation of Kenya. There are so many young people here. Roughly 60% of the population is under the age of 24. And you can help us by praying and believing that God is going to do just a unbelievable miracle in winning souls and bringing young people to the church. So thank you, church. It's been an honor to serve you so far, and we are, we are just excited for all that God is doing. God bless you, and we will talk to you soon. Amen. I worked with Scott for four years in Tucson, and aren't you thankful for people willing to go? I mean, some of us are like, I don't know if I would go to Kenya right now. Uh, but we have this amazing opportunity to partner with people all around the world in seeing Jesus be preached and lives be changed, and we get to be a part of that. And that, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me. That just excites me. Um, some might ask, well, why not? There's so many needs right in here in our backyard. Why would we take care of people all across the globe when we can just, there's stuff that needs to be happening right now. I don't know if maybe you've ever asked that question. I would say one of the things here is there are a lot of needs. If you were to draw a line of 10 miles around this church, do you think we could cover all the needs possible? No. So we have to learn how to be spirit-led in our giving. We literally, we cannot meet every single need that's ever out there, but what we do, we do meet is the needs that come to us. And these missionaries are not just random people who just called us up and said, will you support us? These are friends. These are people like Alan Crookham who has, uh, was, grew up in this church and we have sent them out. These are people that I've known for 20 years. I mean, these are people who literally are giving their lives for the gospel. We, we really do a vetting process of these to make sure what's happening. And man, I'm telling you, these people are doing amazing works for the ministry of God. And uh, I want to read uh, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do we have that verse? Up there, Acts 1.8. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, let me read it again. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, this word witness here is a, is a word that means you're going to affirm, you're going to testify to who I am. So Jesus is saying, you're going to testify. We're not, not, not to that slide yet, quite yet. Um, well, actually, now you are. You're good. 
I want to show you this map there. So this is what Jesus was saying. These, each one is, represents Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And uh, Jesus was sp- speaking to every single disciple, and he's speaking to us right now. We're into the ends of the earth phase. Do you recognize that? And I want you to read Matthew 24. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached through the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Did you hear what I just said? The good news, we've all heard this, but the good news is going to be preached to the entire world. Everybody's going to hear them, and then what happens? The end will come. Jesus is actually saying here, he's connecting his return to the gospel being preached to every person that has a chance to hear it. And I, and I want us to just say, think about something because Jesus didn't say he's coming back when all suffering ceases. He didn't say when there's no more poor among you. He didn't say until everybody has running water or everybody has access to medication. He says until every person has heard the good news. And I just want to just tell us something here. We, 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 many times we fall into the trap. Um, we, as Americans in the West, we are so used to earthly comfort, right? We like everything. We got our phones. We got everything in our life. We, we try to keep as much comfort around us as possible. And we forget that this life is just a vapor, Just a vapor. Real life begins in eternity. And let me ask you, how long is eternity? It's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Okay, is that, I'm dating myself there. Nobody even knows that song. Randy Travis, come on. You don't know that song? Please. I thought it was funny. Sorry. Um, it's forever. And we have to be careful that we're not sometimes inserting a social justice theology that replaces the gospel. Come on. We, 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 we got to understand taking care of physical needs is important. Alleviating suffering is important. But if we miss out on making sure that every person has the ability to hear the gospel and receive the gospel, if we don't do that and we meet people's needs and we've left that out, we have totally missed the mark. Totally missed the mark. And many times in these countries, I, absolutely, especially these third world countries, you know, meeting a need, meeting a physical need, elevating or, or, or alleviating pain is the first step. But our aim is that no one would spend eternity without God. And here's the thing, guys. I've been to a lot of countries. I've probably been to about 30 countries. I was a crazy missionary whatever when I was young. Man, I mean, I was gone like four times a year. On every mission trips I could get on, I was gone. And I have met a lot of people who have nothing, yet seem a lot happier than a lot of Christians who have everything. Because Jesus is our joy, he's our hope, he's our salvation, he's our deliverer, he's our provider, he's, our de- he's everything we need. And we forget sometimes that when people find Jesus, the trajectory of their entire life changes. And we can help fix something in their house or, or make something better, but if we don't give them the gospel, we've missed out. Gospel should be our focus. So when we look at these places... 
that Jesus told the disciple there, there were to be witnesses in, it's obvious what it meant for the leaders, for the listeners. Let's go back to that um, slide there. Literally, the disciples were called. It was going to be an epicenter out of Jerusalem. The Spirit of God came upon, the Holy Spirit came on, the field of the fire came out of Jerusalem. Judea was the region around Jerusalem. It was, it was their home. Um, Samaria was outside of the familiar. The Jews didn't really like the Samaritans. In fact, they would go around Samaria if they had to go somewhere because they didn't want to be. They were half Jewish people and they didn't like them. They, were at, they didn't have the same customs. They didn't have the same belief systems. They, they just did thought totally different. But God was telling them to go where th- people thought differently. And then it, Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth mean they were going to be foreigners in the land. So what does this mean for us today? I, I, think, I think we can approach it like this. Jerusalem is our home. Jerusalem is, we're called to be witnesses, to affirm Jesus, to glorify Jesus, and to affirm the testimony of Jesus, first of all, in our home. In, in these, this is our, the familiar territory, right? But first of all, in our home, in, in our lives, are we being a testimony to Jesus, even to our own kids and our family? We start there. Judea could mean in the region that's familiar, our normal day-to-day life, people who we are not we are familiar with, the people that we run into the store, people we run into the grocery store, the people we run into, you know, the waitress. Those are the people in, in our lives that we just are, are they're familiar. We kind of we kind of do the same things. Are we being a witness for them? Are we witnessing or testifying to Jesus to them? Samaria, well, that's outside our familiar. That's people who don't maybe vote like us, believe like us, look like us. Maybe people who aren't at our same social status. I believe the Lord calls us to go outside. We, we, we definitely want to minister to the people who are in our sphere. But then I, I think the Lord also says, hey, I want you to go outside of that. I want you to go and minister to that homeless person. I want you to go and minister to that down and out person that maybe you would never hang out with on a normal basis, but today I'm calling you to go to them. And then to the ends of the earth, a place where we are foreigners. I believe God's called us. And you notice it's not Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. It says Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. So I believe God has called all of us to somehow be a part in making sure this gospel goes to the whole ends of the earth and we all have a place and we all have a sphere that we're supposed to do that. So what's that look like for us? What does that look like for you? Ask yourself that question. Am I being a witness in my Jerusalem? How am I being a witness in my Judea? And in my Samaria. And what am I doing to help be a witness so that the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, to every remote tribe that's never heard? One of the ways that we do that is in the area of money. It's in the area of money. We can give and we can get, invest into God's kingdom, into people who are literally going. If I really believe if we're, if we're not being sent, we should at least help those who are being sent to get there. And uh, I don't really like talking about money, to be honest. <laughs> it's all quiet in here. It's like, oh, no. 
I don't really like talking about it, to be honest, uh, because everybody thinks the church talks about money all the time. I think we're pretty, actually pretty balanced here. Would you guys not think so? We're pretty balanced. Um, but there are over 800 references the, in, in, in the Bible about money, and uh, God cares about money because not because he wants our money, because he wants our heart. And we all know the scripture, Matthew 6, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. The reality is how you handle money shows a lot about your priorities in your life. What, how you spend it, how you save it, who you give it to is a lot about what's prioritized in your life. Think about that for a second. Just pause for a second. Think about how you spend your money. Do I prioritize the kingdom of God? That's a scary question. I'm not pointing to you. I'm pointing to me. It's a scary question. Do I prioritize the kingdom of God? And some of the way, one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways we get the gospel go to the ends of the earth is by giving. And, and you know, I know I'm speaking to the choir because you guys are the most giving church that I've ever been a part of. I'm not kidding. Uh, I tell people sometimes about our church, and they're just like, man, you guys gave that much to missions last year? I say, yes. Gosh, that's a lot for just a small church. I'm like, yeah, these, God has given us generous people. So praise God for that. But just in case, I want to just mention a few things uh, for those new to the Lord or maybe new uh, to church. But there's primarily two ways we see giving in the Bible, right? Tithes and offerings. Tithing is giving a tenth of your earning to the Lord. It's how we say, God, I trust you. It's how we, when we tithe, and you know the, the key with tithing is you give it first, it's not the leftovers. You give tithe first because you, that's the first thing. I, I actually, and one of the things I want us to be careful was when you give tithes, don't just give it as a bill. Just taking it, just giving the bill, just giving the bill. No, when you tithe, no matter how you tithe, what, however, what format you do it, when you give, say, Lord, I am giving you my first fruit offering. I am giving you this, and I am trusting you. As I give this, you're going to take care of the rest of my life. You're going to take care of every single problem that I might have in my finances, Lord. You've got me covered. God can do more with our 90% than we can do with our 100%. I'm telling you. Malachi 3 tells us three things God does, some things that God does with the tithes that he unlocks through tithing. First of all, it says, Malachi 10, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I probably need to take a day to talk about this. But bring all the tithes in the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Now, when it, when it, obviously, this is an agricultural society, society. But really, this, I believe, is coming into the house of the Lord to help take care. You know, when you tithe, I'm just being honest, let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. When you tithe, you're taking care of God's house. You're making sure that we have, we got brand new curriculum for the kids this week that had that come out of tithe. That pastors on staff to help make sure that there's fresh bread being given, spiritual bread. It just takes money. It takes money to earn, to turn on the lights and the water and to fix things. And, and, but one of the neat things we just talked about is that 10% goes to across the world. So you're already taking care of that. By tithing, but it says, Bring all the tithes in the store out that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I, not, I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. 
And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. This is what God says. When we tithe, when we honor him for our first fruit, with the first thing, 10%, God says, I take care of you. I rebuke the devourer. You know, the other day I was, I got to hurry. I may be a few minutes late, guys. Just just hold on here. But I was just the other day I was... uh, uh, getting medicine, some new medicine for Sarah. And I went to, um, to get the medicine and it was $700 for 60 pills. And I'm like, Oh Lord, can't do that. <laughs> and it's a new medicine. She's just, she's been literally sick as a dog every single day, laying in bed for seven days straight. And we we're trying to get different medicines. And, and so we wanted to try this other medicine. And so we went to there to Walmart and they didn't have it. And so we were talking through it. And she says, well, we can get this good RX. We got it down to 230. Well, as I was talking, somebody in the back overheard our conversation and says, hey, I just looked up on the website uh, what you guys were talking. I'm sorry, I was kind of over here. I was kind of listening in. But I found something on the website. She gave me a coupon. I went to Walgreens over across the way there, and I got it for $100. Now... That's rebuking the devourer for your sake. That's something. I mean, you may think, okay, it was $100. Well, $100 means a lot to me. I don't know about you, but it means a lot to me. And it was money that I don't want to spend on medicine. I'd rather spend on something more important. Right? Well, it's important for my wife, okay? That came out wrong. Okay. The point was... I don't want to give my money to pharmaceutical companies, what I was trying to say. That's what I was saying. I love you, Sarah. I know you're watching from home. Okay. You're very important. I would have spent $700. I would have done it. I promise you I would have done it. Yeah. That's God rebuking the devourer for your sake, though. I want to talk about... Uh, really what I want to talk about, though, is spirit-led spirit giving, hearing the Holy Spirit on what to give. Um, because we are going to be embarking on a, a, a journey with these four weeks. And at the end, I have a goal that I really want to believe God for $50,000 to, to take care of these missionaries. Now, the thing is, I always hear, when, as soon as people hear this number, it's like, oh, no, he's going to pressure me to give. I'm not going to pressure you to give anything. That's between you and the Lord. And you know what? God can send a millionaire in here right now and give $50,000. It's really not a big deal to him. This is just about us being obedient. All we do is listen to what God calls to do. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm going to read it. Let me read it. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You're not going to get pressure from here, I promise you. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Man, that's a, good, that's a good statement. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will, will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources 
and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That's God's goal. He wants to create a, a heart of generosity inside of us all. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So good, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So they were taking up an offering for the Jews in Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem. Jesus said it like this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Man, that's a word. It's right. Now, all these analogies have to do with seed time and harvest, right? You hear all that? So today we kind of live in a society where they get all their seeds genetically engineered. I don't know if it's really good for us. But, but back then, they would keep us a portion of the harvest for the next year's seed. And the bigger the harvest, the more seed they would have to plant for next year's harvest, right? So this is the thinking when it comes to giving. God wants to bless you, but he doesn't want to bless you just so you can have more. He wants to bless you more, bless you so you can give more. And if we're not careful, we can jump, jump into this prosperity gospel that says you give more so you can get more so you can increase the quality of your life. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I want to, you to give more so that you get more, so you can give more, so you can get more, so you can give more, so you can get more. Okay, hold on. You get the cycle there. God provides the seed. He takes care. He provides the seed. And what happens is the harvest comes, and God says, okay, now that I've given you that, now, now here's a need in the kingdom of God. I want you to take care of that widow right there. Boom. And you have the money to do it. And here's the thing that I think is so amazing. When you begin to hear God for money, you can hear God for anything. Because money, we are pretty tight with our money. We all are. And if we can learn to just take this and let it go and say, God, it's yours anyway. You're the one provided the seed that I have to go to McDonald's this week. You provided it anyway. So here, I just let it go. And when I let it go and I'm hearing your voice, now... We're not letting it go because we're guilty. We don't, that, there's a total difference between giving out of guilt, giving out of pressure. But when we give out of being led by the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, something amazing happens. And I want to tell you a couple stories, and then we're going to pray. Um, I was reading in this book. Anybody ever read The Blessed Life? Read Blessed Life? I was reading this. I just This story just kind of popped out at me, and I, just, I thought I had to read it. It was so good. And then I've got my own story. So uh, Robert Morris, uh, pastor at Gateway, he was a, in his early 20s, he was an evangelist. And an evangelist, they would go from church to church. They do it now too, but especially back then. Um, church to church, and you might get 200, you might get 800. It's whatever, whatever comes, and Lord, uh, provide us to the next place. And he says, I was scheduled to preach at a church for one night. And as it turned out, it was the only meeting I was scheduled to preach at all month. From a financial standpoint, that meant having only one opportunity to receive an offering instead of the usual four, five, or six. Although Debbie and I, his wife, had grown in our ability to trust and rest in God, this represented a major budget challenge in the making. 
At the close of the service, the church received a love offering on my behalf. Shortly thereafter, the pastor approached me with an envelope. He said, Robert, I am pleased and amazed to tell you this is the largest offering this little church has given. God has used you to bless us tonight. When I opened the offering, I found a check for roughly the same amount of of our entire monthly budget. In one meeting, God had miraculously provided what it normally took several meetings to produce. It was quite a lesson for us, but the lesson wasn't over. As I stood there holding the check, basking in the warm glow of gratitude and wonder, something happened to me that I forever changed the course of my life. Earlier in that evening service, a missionary had given a brief testimony. Missionary, hey, what? A, look at that. An update for the congregation. Now, as I looked across the nearly empty sanctuary, I caught sight of him, and as I did... The unmistakable voice of the Lord spoke to my heart. I want you to give him your offering, all of it. In an instant, I went from euphoria to something approximately like panic. Lord, you can't, this can't be your voice. I mean, after all, you just did a miracle. But once again, the instructions came thoroughly, gently but clearly. I want you to give him your offering. So I walk up to the missionary. I said something like, I really appreciate your testimony tonight. Please don't tell anyone about this, but I would like you to have this offering. The check is made out to me, but I have signed it over to you. I handed him the check, and I walked away. One hour later, I found myself seated with 20 members of the church at a pizza place. Across from me sat a well-dressed man I barely knew. After a while, he leaned across the table towards me, looked me straight in the eye, and asked me a shockingly personal question. How much was your offering tonight? Naturally, his question flustered me. I had never had anyone ask me that before, especially a near stranger. His boldness so caught me off guard that I didn't even know what else to do but to answer him. So I told him the amount of offering. I remember hoping that that was the end, but it wasn't. In the same authoritative manner, he asked me another question. Where's the check? He said, what nerve I remember thinking. What is he up to? Of course, I no longer had the check, but I wasn't about to tell him that, so I'm proud to tell you that this preacher lied through his teeth. Uh, My wife has it, I said nervously. She was sitting at the end of the table, a nice distance away. Go get it. I want to see it, he said. The man was relentless. Not knowing what else to do, I made a pretense of getting up to go to ask her for the check. Bending down close to her ear, I asked, how's your pizza? Good, she replied, giving me a perplexed look. Great, glad to hear it. <laughs> Just checking, I muttered, and, and headed back down to the table. My, ear, my ears heard another lie floating past my lips. She left it out in the car. I said, trying to make my car sound as if it was far away. At this point, not only was I trying to hide the fact that I had given my whole love offering away, but I was also covering the fact that this evangelist, who had just spent the evening proclaiming Jesus as the way, the truth, and life, had just lied. As tiny beads of perspiration began to pop out on my face, a gentleman leaned across the table and got uncomfortably close. The check's not in the car, Robert, he stated in a low voice. How do you know? I responded, trying to sound a little offended, because God told me, and he told me something else. At that point, the man spoke words that have rolled like thunder through my life ever since. God is about to teach you about giving so that you can teach the body of Christ. With that, he slid a folded piece of paper across the table. It was a check. The amount to the penny was ten times the amount of the one I had given away an hour earlier. Ten times the amount. Isn't that powerful? 
it kind of reminds me of the story, you know, I have, can you guys give me five more minutes and I'll be done? It reminds me of a story of um, my personal story that I've shared before, but I, had, I left out one important piece that maybe I thought was mattered. When Sarah and I moved here uh, from Tucson, um, you know, we, we were told we can't give you a place or we can't give you a salary, but we can give you a place to stay. Um, in fact, even living there, there was a small amount that we had to pay if, at the beginning to be in the parsonage. And um, we were just looking at, like, how in the world are we going to accomplish this? I think we've got, a, like, a little... Did I get that little picture up there of us? This was four years ago. Um, that's us, Ken and Norm and Fred, with our truck right here. And um, we had just sold our house for $40,000 in Tucson, and uh, the plan was we'll kind of live off of that if we can. And, uh, and uh, so we, we, first of all, we gave 10% tithe. We, so we gave $4,000. But as we were talking through it, we had made another commitment to the church at the time. It was called Heart for the House. It was like we were just for ministries in the house. And we felt like we were to give another 10%. Now, we were on our way out. And so Sarah said, hey... Jeff, uh, I think you should tie, but I think you should also give it another 10% of that uh, money. That's $4,000. And I'm like, well, things were starting to get a little tricky at the church I was at. It, we were, it was time for us to leave. You know, we had worn out our welcome, basically. Uh, not us, but just, just the situation. They were trying to move on, and we were trying to move on. And, and I was like, babe, let's just... Uh, Okay, we don't need to give the church $4,000. We're leaving. We're leaving next week. She said, no, no, I think you're, I think you're supposed to give, give that $4,000. we got to understand, when we got here, we, we had bills of about $4,000 a month that we were going to have to come up with. We had, we had COBRA insurance. Everybody knows that's expensive. We've, we had to keep our insurance because of some things during that time. And so it was like $1,000 a month. We had, house, we had our car payment, car insurance, cell phone, health insurance, tithe, groceries, all that kind of stuff. It's about $4,000 a month. So when she's asking me to give $4,000, that means a month of our living expenses given away, and we're walking into a situation, we don't have a clue where our next bill, our next payment or anything. We don't have a job. We don't know, we don't know how we're going to do this. We just know we had a little money left over. And so I gave it. See, and go back, wife, you were, you were correct on this. She was, she's the one who was pushing me and saying, I was like, no, no, I wasn't being the spiritual one. She was being the spiritual one. And but she said, go ahead and give it. We need to give it. So I said, okay, let's give it. So we gave the $4,000. We didn't even tell the church. We left and just gave it. And I can't tell you what happened in that 16 months. We actually went without a job for 16 months. 16 months. And I, I'm telling you, it was the wildest 16 months of my life. I would literally have people call me. And here's the other thing I meant to say. I, the Lord told me, don't tell a single soul that you need money. So we did not tell anybody we need money. We were just like, we're here. Praise God. We're celebrating it. And in, in, in the back room, we're going, oh, my goodness, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So if you can imagine, six, so I had about $13,000 uh, or thirty-two thousand dollars left, four thousand a month times six, sixteen. Do you know what the math is on that? It's double that, right? 
people started calling us out of nowhere. I'm not kidding. People said, I don't know, you woke up in my mind, and I just want to start, can I, can I start giving you $600 a month? I just want to bless you. And we're like, uh, sure. We, people were doing this nonstop. I would literally go to the mailbox every day going, Lord, what are you going to do today? And I would pull out checks, literally checks in the mail. I hadn't talked to somebody says, the Lord woke me up this morning. I just wanted to send you 1500. Lord woke me up this morning. I want to send you 500. I mean, it was happening so much that the money was coming in for me that I started giving money away of, of all the money that I had, I mean, I'm like, I was giving money to the children's ministry. I was out blessing other people. We were blessing because the Lord was providing seed for me to continue blessing. And I didn't have any money coming in. Do you know, after 16 months, we still had money in that account left over just 16 months. And then we began to work here and that season was over and Lord wanted to provide in a different way through the church. I'm just here to tell you, God speaks to us by his spirit. And when he tells you to do something, I'm telling you, it's for your benefit. And we sometimes think, and I'm going to have the worship team come on up. We sometimes think, oh, God, why are you having me do this? Why are you having? Because God's trying to teach us how to walk in trust He's trying to tell us, teach us how to walk in belief and in faith. And God's saying, let me, you can't outgive give God. You know that? You can't just, you can't outgive him. Not everybody believes that yet. It's okay. It's the truth. And so I feel like the Lord may be tugging on your heart. And so what we're going to do, we're not going to take an offering today, so don't worry. Um, but at the end of this month... We're going to take up an offering for all these missionaries, and we're going to try it. I'm, I'm believing God that we're going to meet every single need that's out there. So what I want you to do for the last moment here is I just want us to, to bow our heads, and what, what I want you to do is just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me give as a seed offering? Do you understand, when I gave that $4,000, that was my seed offering into my next season. I put that in the ground, spiritually speaking, for the harvest that came in the next 16 months later. God does that, and it's amazing. And I just want you to, can we just bow our heads and ask the Lord? And maybe he may not give you right now. It's okay, but just, let's just ask the question. Lord, what would you, what would you have me give as a seed offering into these missionaries? Maybe there's something you're believing you know, um, I just want to say one other thing. You keep your heads bowed, but our children's ministry is maybe not today with everybody being out, but it, on a normal basis, it's, it's busting at the seams. The last thing we need to be doing right now is taking up missions offerings because this money's not going to any, one dime is not going to us. The last thing we need to be doing right now is taking up a missions, missions offering. We need to be sowing and putting money away for our children's facility that's going to help us in some way we're looking at different options but point is i feel like the lord said no you sow into these missionaries i'm going to take care of you so when i ask you to do something this has nothing to do with helping resonate or myself or anybody it is totally for the kingdom of god going forth in these nations and so i just want you to ask i'm going to give you just 30 seconds 
Just say, Lord, is there something you want me to give up or give for the month of March that we can sow into these missionaries like the Durantes, like the Berkeys, to see Jesus, you use them in a mighty way to see them hear the gospel and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I'm just going to pause for a second, just allow you to ask, the, ask in your own words, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me give, God? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are teaching resonate life how to live with a life of generosity God and it is a fun enjoyable life and it's way beyond anything we can muscle in our own power Lord you just do it when we just are faithful and obedient and so Lord I pray that every person Lord that you would supply seed to the sower Lord whatever that is that you've put in their hearts in their spirits I pray Holy Spirit they're I just feel like the Lord's just speaking this right now. You're going to get a check from something like you weren't expecting. Maybe it's a, you paid too much for, um, uh, for insurance and they're giving you extra for the end of the year. Or maybe your boss comes up and says, here's a raise. I don't know what it is, but the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you seed for, the, for this. I'm going to give you seed to sow into this. Watch me. Ask me for it. Don't try to figure out how you're going to do it in your own power. But ask the Lord, God, I, you've given me this crazy number in my mind, Lord. This is going to be a stretch for me. But Lord, I pray, Lord, will you provide seed so that I can do it? Will you provide it, Lord, in the name of Jesus? Amen. 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 Well, I'm excited. Brian next week is going to be bringing the word. So, yeah. Are you going to get us fired up to, to, to tell the world about Jesus? Oh, yeah. He's going to get us fired up. So, uh, all right. Will you guys be blessed? Have a great, great week. Spring break. Enjoy it. If you're going out of town or just enjoy the weather. It's supposed to be beautiful. And God bless you guys. Have a great day.